So initially, I was kind of like, is there really that many gutters out there? And, <laughs> like, really, can you build this big of a business on gutters? And I get that question a lot from candidates all the time. People are like, is there really that many gutters out there? Like, what happens when all the gutters are, are done and there's no more gutters <laughs> left? And these are kind of some thoughts that I had, too. But, you know, diving into the FDD, hearing from owners. I mean, as Jen talked about earlier, the validation calls with the owners are phenomenal. And, and sometimes they get asked that and they're like, no, I mean, there's so many gutters out there. I mean, that's, we're never going to run out of gutters. Gutters is a $6 billion a year industry. This is Grow with the Bros, hosted by Ryan and Ken Parsons, founders of the Brothers That Just Do Gutters. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Gutter, Behind the Brother. We've made every mistake in the book, so you don't have to. Our time to evolve as business owners is now. Let's grow together. Our podcast is called Grow with the Bros for a reason. We've always had a growth mindset here at the Brothers that just do gutters, so we're super excited to introduce our new growth partners, Don Taranelli and Jen Kane from Franchise Fastlane. Jen, Don, welcome to Grow with the Bros. Welcome. Great to be here, guys. Thank you. So excited. Yeah, it's awesome. So why don't you go ahead and... Give us a little background on yourselves. Why don't we start with Jen, and then we can go to Don, and let us know a little bit about your background, personal, and then how you got into the fast lane. Yeah, great. So I've grown up pretty much in franchising in some way, shape, or form. My dad and his buddies had three blimpy subs and salads growing up. So I learned really quick not only to be a sandwich artist, but how you run a proper franchise. So experienced that pretty young. Um, Then went into uh, really restaurants and hospitality, was director of training and operations for a huge restaurant group, opened them all over the country, and decided, hey, maybe I don't want to be on the road three weeks at a time and traveling. So um, became the COO of a startup franchise company based in Omaha, Nebraska. It was a a healthy, quick-serve type meal program. We launched it from scratch. We're killing it the very first week, grew it into many locations. Um, Eventually, I became the CEO and then decided that I was going to take a new career path in the franchise development space, just really passionate about it. So left that, um, started working at Franchise Fastlane in 2018, and the rest is history. Uh, this is absolutely my passion, changing lives all the time, helping people start businesses, change their family legacy, and loving it. That's great. Wow. That's impressive. Wow. But how old were you when you became like a C- – what was the first one, COO? COO, so I would have been 34. That's wow. crazy. Yeah. So in the like – you had the blimpies. Yep. And then you worked your way up yep. and then totally took a, in a new company. A new company based out of Oklahoma, actually. And I was bartending and waiting tables when I was in college and making a ton of money. So admittedly, I'd skip some classes. I did graduate college, but I would skip <laughs> some classes to make more money. And I graduated. I thought, gosh, I'm going to take about six months and then just, you know, look around for a job. And one day the area partner came in and said, I want you to interview with the president of this company. At the time, it was a... $200 million a year company. And I said, wow. oh, the president. And he goes, yeah. And I live in Omaha, Nebraska. And he says, you need to drive down to Wichita. And I said, okay, I'll drive to Wichita five hours away. When do you want me to go? He said, can you be there at noon tomorrow? Oh and my I gosh. said, well, so much for taking six months off. So I drove <laughs> down. He offered me the job on the spot. And for CEO. That was for director of training and operations. Okay. So then 
once I was transitioning out of that role because it was based in Oklahoma and I spent all my time there. They were my family, loved it. We traveled all the time. My little girls, my five-year-old was going to be starting kindergarten. So I started looking for new opportunities and there was a startup in Omaha and they had sought me out to become the COO. So I, I launched it from scratch. Great concept, uh, three founders, but they had no idea how to put the training and operational piece together. Just visionary guys that needed, you know, that, that right arm to come in and just tighten up the ship. Awesome. So Very you were the impressive. implementer. I was the implementer. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Iron fist. That's how I rule. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're great. Yeah, Don Tarinelli. So I grew up in a very blue collar family. And I was always told I was going to college, but I had to figure out a way to pay for it on my own. So I, like I didn't that. have a blank check to go to college. So um, my freshman year in college, I was approached by somebody just on a college campus that essentially recruited me to do door-to-door sales for him for the summer. And so I moved to California for the summer. Uh, I live in, uh, I was going to school at uh, um, Southern Utah at the time. And uh, so I moved to California for the summer. He's like, yeah, you can make 10, 15 grand if you're good doing door-to-door sales all summer. I'm like, all right, well, that's better than, you know, working $10 an hour doing landscaping, which is what I did during summers in, co- in high school. So I said, all right, I'll give it a try. And um, uh, went out, did it. It was an awesome experience, knocking doors six days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day. Um, and, uh, and I was a little disappointed. I made about 14 grand that first summer. Oh, and, man. Um, wow. <laughs> I bet it was probably one of the most of anybody, though. It was pretty good. Had. Yeah, I was I was one of the higher higher level reps. And uh, so the, the company that I worked for that summer has a very unique business model. They essentially recruit and train college kids to be their sales reps during the summer. And uh, and each office is ran by a dealership owner. So which is typically another college student. So after I uh, d- did sales door to door. So first year I made about 14 grand. The second year I made 35 grand. Wow. And then I started my own dealership. Um, so I was then recruiting and training other college kids during the school year to be my sales reps during the summer. And so we'd move to some major metropolitan area every summer and they would sell home security systems door to door all summer. So pretty grueling work, but if you got to pay for college, it's a great way to do it. And so now by, by the time I graduated college, I was making way more money with my dealership than I would have going and taking a corporate job in accounting, which is what my degree was in. So I kept doing it for several more years out of college. And then uh, eventually recruiting and dealing with college kids gets a little older and moving for the summer as I was starting to have a family got very, a lot more challenging. So Mm -hmm. at that point I went back to school and I got my MBA and then was recruited into franchising. So uh, coincidentally, one of the, I never even thought about getting into franchising, but one of my professor's next door neighbors was a vice president of development. And he was talking to my professor and said, Hey, is there anybody in your MBA cohort that might be a good fit? Uh, I've got to grow my team. And so he mentioned me, gave him my resume, and so I got into franchising just without any plan to. And that was over 10 years ago now. I've been with uh, quite a few different franchisors, mostly service franchises, home services, commercial services. And I've been with Franchise Fastlane for about a year and a half now. Luckily, Jen hired me about a year and a half ago um, to represent a brand that grew very quickly, and we sold out most of the country. And about 15 months or so. And, and uh, so, yeah, just uh, joined, uh, started representing you guys about, what, about two months ago now, I'd say. Yeah. And wow. uh, very fast two months it's been. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So when we get all these franchises sold and you're done selling Brothers Gutters, you can teach all our franchisees how to do that door-to-door thing? Sure. Wow. Nice. That'd be awesome. 
agreement. Yeah. Yes. And the ops made Slide that now. in there. Yeah, right? <laughs> so what I'm really curious about is the people that you're bringing in that want to buy a Brothers at Just You Gutters franchise or any other franchise, these are people that are successful. Uh, it, it, it's actually baffling, baffling to me that they have good careers. They have money to write the check for the territory fees or they easily can get the money. What is it? When do they start to think about franchising? What is it that typically triggers, if there is one thing or there's a common thread, what is it that happens and all of a sudden they're kind of going down the path of thinking about franchising? Want me yeah. to take that one, Jen? Sure, go okay. ahead. Okay. So I'd say there's two main things, and Jen, feel free to add anything mm -hmm. else in, but one is they're just they're sick of working for somebody else they want to have more control over their career they want to build something for themselves a lot of them like you said they've been very successful and they've they've seen them themselves grow big businesses for other people mm -hmm. and they're sick of that they want to build something for themselves and for their own family they want to take a little more control over their career path and and their destiny um, and then I'd say the, the other one is people that, you know, have some sort of event at work, whether it's a layoff or maybe they made it through the layoff round, but, you know, they are always wondering when's the next one going to happen. And they just, they hate that lack of knowing, you know, what, what could happen down the future. And I think it comes back to, once again, wanting more control over what happens to them in their career. Yeah, and some of my favorite ones, it's because they want to leave a legacy behind, right? They've been working their whole life, and they're looking at their children, and they're looking at what they're going to leave them behind, thinking, gosh, you know, do I really just want to be in this 8 to 5 job working for someone else, and then my kids will just continue to follow that path. So a lot of them come in because they want to create a new legacy for their family for a long period of time. Another thing is the success rate with franchises is so, so high uh, compared to going out and starting your own business. I mean, you'll hear numbers anywhere from, what, 80 to 90% of small businesses fail and it's usually because A, they run out of capital, or B, they just don't have the infrastructure to continue to build. And so when they look at franchising, it's like, wow, there's people like me that have done it. They're successful. They look at companies like yours, and they can start to picture themselves in it. And it's a lot less scary than going out and opening up their own brick-and-mortar location. Wow. And so they have that moment. They're sick of it. They want to build something for themselves. What do they typically do next? Is that a Google search? How do they... I know there's a big gap between when they first are interested and even the time they get to you. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of take us down that path right up until when they actually get to you? Sure. So I'll lead it. Um, really, it, it comes from a lot of directions. Some of them will start watching, you know, they're reading books, right? We're all of us, most of us are watching um, videos. We're reading books. We're listening to podcasts. We're starting to find mentors in our field or outside of our field to really drive that next phase of our life. So that's one way. Another way is um, through LinkedIn. You know, there's a lot of um, marketing that goes on in LinkedIn where people are saying, hey, are you interested in looking for a business? And every once in a while, you see something that piques your interest and you might click on something or, or follow some sort of campaign unknowingly. And all of a sudden, you're in this whole franchise world that you didn't know existed. Um, there's consultant groups out there very similar to the real estate market. So how a real estate agent will help you find the right house or will help you sell your house. The same thing happens with consultants. They'll, they'll talk to somebody and say, gosh, you know, tell me about yourself. What are you looking for? What do you want? What are your financial goals? What are your family goals? 
and they'll go through a whole list of questions and then they'll say, here's some ideas that you should check out. And these consultants are experts in their field. So they're going to give them options that really fit their personalities. And sometimes they'll throw a wild card in. And those are the really fun times where somebody's like, oh, I don't want to touch that business. No way. Next thing you know, they're ready. They're, they're signing on the dotted line. Wow, that's awesome. Now, who's paying for that? Is it the consultants themselves? Is it the big networks? Like when they're seeing those ads on LinkedIn, who's driving that to, to grab that audience? Yeah, so the consultants, they do it completely free with those as a coach. They're basically the coach of these people looking for the opportunity. And then what they do is just like if you sold a home, right, there's some money to be made on that side. If you find the right person for the right brand and it's a win-win. So, and it's excellent because they usually vet them in a manner in which a brand would want them vetted. They want to make sure they have the working capital. They have the personality. They understand what they're getting into versus just, oh, here, I'm just going to throw this at you know at you and you go wait a minute this guy only has a thousand dollars in his bank account he can't afford my business <laughs> so you don't want to get too far down yeah to find that right. exactly yep so that is a lot like uh the real estate agency it is pathway. yeah, yeah. It is. similar to a headhunter as well right yeah right. how do the brokers narrow it down is it some kind of like they have their their top five like they've looked at a lot of them they've got their go-to's or is it Truly, I mean, what is there, three, 4,000 franchise opportunities out there? How does, when they get that lead or they get that person that's down that path, how do they begin to match them up to who they think is a good fit as a franchise? Yeah, do you want to? Yeah, I'll jump in on that. So, yeah, they'll normally have anywhere in their inventory of three to 500 different brands that they can show. Yeah. Now, they're not necessarily going to be experts on all of them. So, in my experience, Jenna, and you tell me what you think, but probably. They probably know 30 to 40 brands very well, uh, and those are kind of their go-tos. They shouldn't rely on five because, you know, the the franchise candidates are all going to be different enough that they probably won't all fit into those same five. They can't refer the same five franchises to every person they work with because the good ones are finding, you know, that the the territory works, that, you know, what the owner's going to be doing on a day-to-day basis works, that it's going to be able to help them get to their financial goals that they can make the financial investment into that franchise. So they've got to have a wider bullpen, so to speak, than five brands. So I would say typically 30 to 40 that are top of mind for them that they're referring to to their candidates. Jim, what would you say? Yeah, and the consultants care very, very much about the success of who they place. And that is really important. So if they know that A, if they've met you as founders, they build a relationship with you, uh, they know that you're working with Franchise Fastlane, those things start to really drive a lot of confidence because they don't want to place someone who's not going to be successful. Now, we know in any business, it's up to that individual, right? You can give them all the tools in the world, but they have to go out and do it. However, they want to make sure that you're well capitalized, that you have a direction, that you've you've proven that you can really guide franchisees to success. Because those consultants want to build long-term relationships with them. They want to help change their lives, and they care very, very much about it. And even though those brokers are part of a network, they're really branding themselves as individuals too, just like a a regular sales position in in any company, just like in Brothers Gutters, you know. Talk to Mario. He's my guy from Brothers Gutters or – 
right? So the same thing brokers are, are doing. Yeah. And they're building relationships based on referrals too, right? If, right? if I introduce my friend Chris and he buys an incredible business through a, through a consultant, then when another one of my friends says, it's like, oh gosh, you know, go talk to so-and-so because Chris, he's killing it with whatever the brand is. And people want different things. Some people want the sexy fitness brand. Some people want to tell their friends that they own the coolest little bar or restaurant. And then others are like, I don't care. I just want to be able to make a lot of money and grow really fast. So there's different places for all the different candidates. Wow. So it sounds like there's a lot of stuff that happens. So the consultants get them, they figure out what is a great fit. And then I believe once they're like, you know what, maybe they show them three or four brands, right? They don't get shown 500 and then they reach out to franchise Fastlane, right? Because they say that they're interested in the brothers that just do gutters. And then they're going to talk to either Don or you first. Yep. I'll be Don. first. Yep. And so real quick, I don't think we, we went into exactly what does franchise Fastlane do. Sure. And then I want to know how you get them the confirmation day. Yeah. So franchise Fastlane, what we are is we're a development company. So our entire role is to take brands. We work mostly with emerging. So early phase, uh, we have had some that have over a hundred units already up and operating come through our doors, but we're really picky. We talk to about 150 brands a year and we bring on five to six, maybe. Um, we seek some out, some seek us out. Um, I would say most of them find us through referrals, just like anything else. Um, but what we have is we have a a necessity list and a nicety list. And when we're looking at different brands, we want to make sure that you have all of those necessity boxes checked, meaning that you're capitalized for growth, that you have a support structure in place, that you, you've grown a successful business, right? We don't want to go sell something that isn't successful. And then we have a nicety list, which are things that we just know most candidates are looking for. So we have two different lists we work off of, but if you check all those boxes on the necessity list, you usually go into that next phase of review. And it starts with our president and, and founder, Ryan Zink and Carrie Gilley. They start and then after that, it comes to the leadership team, which is myself and the other vice presidents of development. We look at it and we start to poke holes in it, quite frankly, and say, well, what about this? How do they do this? This looks a little question, you know, you just, you want to poke holes in it. Because, what kind of holes would you poke in us? Oh, it was mostly about the founders. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Can we work with these guys? Yeah. Well, and that's why, you know, there are certain brands where right when they come on board, you start to see things that you really like. And I'll tell you what's most valuable to me as you two as founders, what you have in the brothers is validation. You have franchisees that eat, drink, sleep, love this culture. They talk about it. They all say the same things. It's almost like you're paying them. I don't know if you are. No, they pay us. <laughs> they pay you. That's right. <laughs> but it's incredibly impressive because that's one thing that you just can't create. That is not something that you guys tomorrow could say, okay, from now on, we're going to have great validation, right? You can change your ops manual. You can change your pricing structure, but you can't do that. So incredible. And Jen, how many brands did Franchise Fastlane interview last year? It was over 150. Yeah. And we and I don't even think Good we, job, guys. we hit you six made the new cut. ones. Yeah, you made the cut. We only so. interviewed one. What? We had choices. What? Yeah. <laughs> no, you really didn't. We're it. Sorry. That's it. And now you're handcuffed to us. So, so, that, so that's awesome. So that tells us a little bit um, about kind of uh, why you selected us or what you look for in a franchise. Now, the day a broker calls you and says, I've got so-and-so from Arizona or Nashville or whatever, 
what, what, what happens from there forward? Yeah. So uh, our, we have a support staff back end that's going to reach out to that individual, schedule them on my calendars that day. They'll be reaching out to that, that individual. Now, as you guys know, we have over 160 people looking at this brand right now. So unfortunately, it'll probably be about a week before we're able to get on the phone. Um, but uh, we've got a pre-recorded presentation that's about 30 minutes long for them to watch in the meantime. And that's going to answer a lot of their questions right off the bat. So by the time we get on the phone, they're usually pretty excited about the opportunity having watched that video. So that way, that allows us to take that time and dive more into backgrounds and, and potential fit and uh, dive into any questions they still have after after the recording. So that gives them a chance to bail too. It does. Yeah. <laughs> and it saves your pipeline a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm the last person who's going to push anybody to a next step. If yeah. they want to bail, I'm okay with it. Uh-huh. Uh, free up more time on my calendar. So we want to make sure that that fits there. Um, from there, if uh, we feel like there is a potential fit, we'll get them scheduled on a group unit economics call. And that's an hour call where we're just going to dive into all things financial, the, the investment. We show them your P&Ls from the corporate location. Uh, we go over the P&Ls for each of the franchisees. We have a 23-page item 19. And for those who aren't aware, franchising is very regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. I can't just go throw out whatever numbers I want to that these franchisees are making. So it has to be documented in this franchise disclosure document. Um, as, as Jen and I mentioned, we've been in this industry for a long time. This is without question the largest item 19 I've ever seen in my career. Not just represented, largest one I've ever seen. I don't know, Jen, have you ever seen anything like no. that? No. I've won, a good one, thing. one was close. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, so why is that a good thing for somebody who is looking at our brand? Yeah, great question. Just provides a tremendous amount of transparency. They can go see how much every franchisee in the system did in revenue, adjusted profit, what was their labor expenses, what were their cost of goods sold. They can see it all right there. Um, conversion rates, uh, commercial versus residential split, repeat customers. I mean, all that data that people want to know is right there in the disclosure document documented. So, so we'll spend an hour going through all of that data together. Um, from there, that's when it gets really exciting. That's when they get to start joining these validation calls that Jen talked about. They get to start talking to franchise owners and hearing from them. Now, with 160 people and, and 20 operating franchisees, we can't ask all those franchisees to do one-on-one calls with each of these candidates. So what we do is every single week, we have a different franchisee get on the call. And they'll, they'll answer questions. They'll share their background. And so franchise candidates, as they go through this process for four to six weeks, they'll get to hear from a different franchisee every single week if they're prioritizing those calls and getting on those calls. They can hear from four or six franchisees in those group settings. And one of the nice things about the group calls is franchisees or prospective franchisees tell me all the time how, you know, they heard questions they hadn't even thought about asking. So, you know, so they'll hear questions, they'll get answers to their questions, but they'll also hear other questions that other people are asking. And then there's these calls with the founders. I mean, they're okay. <laughs> oh, man. The longest hour That's your of your life. That's a favorite call of the week, isn't it? Of, of course. You get to hear the same story same over week. and over and over again. Although we're not that disciplined. It's different every time. It is a little different every time, yeah. Yeah, depending on, yeah. Our mood. <laughs> so, so you'll get to hear those those calls uh, every single week as well. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I was just gonna say, and then once they get to a point where we want to offer them an invitation to confirmation day, where they get to come here to Poughkeepsie, meet you two, which is of course the highlight, <laughs> and then uh, meet the rest of the team. Um, we take that really serious. That's an invite. That means, hey, you need to be ninety percent of the way there. You know, the the brothers and their team, they're going to invest a lot of time in you. So we want you 90% of the way there. We don't let people come, you know, we call them tire kickers. We don't let people come if they're like, ah, it's kind of cool. Maybe I'll come check it out. 
it's just not worth anybody's time. So we make sure they're there. And then once Don gets them to that point, he does a handoff to me. I start prepping no, them. No, maybes. Maybes are, means no. <laughs> maybes are no's, yes. Well, and we look for key things like, you know, um, uh, spouse, spouses that are just like, no way, I'm out. What do we call it? Sabotage. Spousal sabotage. You know, a lot of times people have big dreams, but it's important they talk to the people that they care about in their life about it. Otherwise, they get all the way to the finish line and they want to buy a business and they're their spouse says, no, it's too risky. You can't. And wow. and that happens a lot. I just or heard the Beastie work. Boys in the background when yeah. you said that. Sabotage! <laughs> That's exactly what happens. Or really even worse, Jen, is they join without spousal support, in all honesty. Oh. That's an even worse situation. Oh, this is your yeah. thing. Because then the, the spouse the whole time, every time there's a you know there's, there's a step back, which is going to happen in business, the spouse is saying, oh, I told you so. Oh, yeah. And so we've, you've got to have that spousal support. It's critical. Yeah. Yeah, I And agree. then real quick. From the time somebody who actually buys, from the time they start that little search from at work or when they got laid off to the time they actually make a decision, what what is that arc? Is there kind of an average for people that are serious? There is. And in, in ours, we say it's about five to six weeks on average. Some will go longer. Some... From the time they were interested in looking at a franchise to, oh, the, time looking? They, to the time they actually signed. I don't know if we have a, a good stat on the time they're interested. You know, I think it really depends on how good their consultant is they're working with or if they find you organically and they've done a lot of research, right? It's hard to it's hard to make a, gotcha. a, a, a measure on that. But from the time that they come into our process... We, we joke that it's speed dating to a franchise marriage very quickly. It is. Um, but part of it is because we have the best brands. So when you have the best brands, people know, gosh, this territory could be gone next yeah. month. And this is a real thing. And it happens to us every single month where we're breaking people's hearts saying, hey, sorry, what you were looking at is sold. The nearest thing could be next door. It could be a state away. Wow. Yeah, That's I'll have great. several of those conversations next week after this confirmation oh, yeah. day with yeah. a dozen yeah. people. Especially so, yeah, especially yeah, Texas. Yeah. I mean, after Reaction. this confirmation day, Texas will be almost sold out. Yeah. It's getting there. <laughs> it's getting there. So after uh, Carrie went through the the process with you two to bring the brothers at Just Do Gutters onto the Fastlane team, uh, I fell in love with the brand right away. I looked through your FDD and and I was sold. And I think the biggest reason I was sold was because I could see a company that was committed to the success of their franchisees just based on the numbers and what Don said. I mean, a 23-page item 19 um, is pretty incredible. When you have financial disclosures like that, you just look at it and say, wow, they're they're literally putting all their cards out on the table. So it was really exciting. Then we got on our first uh, onboarding call with you two, and you really want partners that understand development, understand what's going to happen, um, Don and I work together on another brand and we move very, very quickly and, uh, we know a winner when we see it. This brand was just a winner. And what I love the most about it is you guys really aren't that special. You're not, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're not doing anything. You're not doing anything that special, right? You're just doing everything really, really well. You're executing, you're putting pieces in place and every problem, it seems like you guys have a solution or you find a solution. And the more I started digging into your material and finding reputation management training and how you do the skills ladder with your team, all of those things, it meant you cared about the success of the entire organization, not just, hey, we want to grow really big, get us to 500 units so we can, you know, cash out. It was a very different mentality. And then I, and then I asked Don to come on board and what were your thoughts? So initially I was kind of like, 
is there really that many gutters out there? And, <laughs> like, really, can you build this big of a business on gutters? And I get that question a lot from candidates all the time. People are like, is there really that many gutters out there? Like, what happens when all the gutters are, are done and there's no more gutters <laughs> left? And these are kind of some thoughts that I had too. But, you know, diving into the FDD, hearing from owners. I mean, as Jen talked about earlier, the validation calls with the owners are phenomenal. And, and sometimes they get asked that and they're like, no, I mean, there's so many gutters out there. I mean, that's, we're never going to run out of gutters. Gutters is a $6 billion a year industry. So, so once I realized that there is that much business out there and yeah, heard from franchisees, dove into the uh, FDD, I, I was, I was on board right away. I, I loved it. You know, it's, it's similar to another franchise that I represented years ago that is a $600 million a year franchise nationally now and and I, I really see this being that in you know 10 years or so yeah and it's wow. exciting when you when you see that and you I get like excited. the way you see things Don <laughs> <laughs> well what's funny is Don kept asking me questions he's like well what exactly do they do and I'm like gutters what do you mean what do you because I get really excited so when I get passionate about a brand I know it's going to be a home run because if you're not passionate and you're just going through the motions, it's hard. You know, people buy off emotion. So if if you're going to sit there and tell me about a brand and you're just like, oh, yeah, and you can, you know, build this, it's great. But when I was talking about this to him, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if it's more residential or commercial, but it's awesome. Wait till you see it. And so once both. He, yeah. And, and Don actually turned down a promotion to take this brand not that this wasn't a promotion this was a great opportunity but the opportunity was so strong with what you've built and you should be so proud of it that don was like no i want to do this run with you jen and 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 skip out on a promotion so wow. that was it i mean that cool. ship sailed so he's gonna be with you guys for a really <laughs> long time that was one and done that was a shot right oh man that's exciting nice so what tips do you have for people that or are looking to buy a franchise? Or what would you say, somebody that was close to you is like, hey, I'm looking at this franchise. What would you, what would it, what advice would you give to them on what to look for? What to, what's a red flag? What's, what's a go? All that kind of stuff. That's a great question. Want me to go, Jen? Yeah. So I think there's, there's several things. I'd say probably one of the most important, as Jen, as I've touched on several times, is hearing from owners. Um, you know, if, in, if, I'm, if I'm looking at franchises, I want to hear owners that speak highly of the founders, of the training, that they themselves are successful, that they're, they're profitable. So I think that's really a critical piece of the due diligence process is, is hearing from, and it doesn't need to be a lot of owners, um, but you, you've got to hear from a couple owners in here. And, and if you don't, you've got to understand, I've got to be 100% a pioneer. And there are people that are willing to do that, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like our first few. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you You've got to have those first few, but you, they've got to understand if they are going to be one of the first, that they've got to have a little bit more of a pioneering. I'm going I'm I'm to have to figure a lot of this out on my own um, because uh, I am going to be a pioneer for the franchise. And, uh, and there are those people out there that are okay with that, and that's fine. But I think they need to understand that if, if that's going to be the case. So I'd say that's a, a big one. Um, understanding, you know, do you – do you like what your day-to-day -day is going to look like in the franchise? You know, if, you know, if, in, in our case, it's not hanging gutters. It's it's working on and and growing a business, developing leaders. Um, do you like that? Would you, if you rather be on a ladder, then this probably isn't right for you. Um, you know, if you want to be hands-on in the business, then there are those franchises out there. I've worked for those kind of franchises, and that there is a, there is a place for people that want to be more hands-on. But 
But if you want to be in a franchise that works on the business, not in it, then, uh, and I think that's where some validation comes in is making sure that that's a reality because some franchises, it, it's not, you know, some franchises, the franchisees are the ones doing the technical work of the business. So they're buying the job. They're buying a job. Exactly. Yep. It's their job yeah. and they own it right? and they can have some of the freedom that they've wanted. But it's different than what we're offering. Sure. Yep. So those are a couple things that come to mind. Jen, anything? I think the founders. I think Mm -hmm. knowing who you're getting into business with, right? This is going to be hopefully a 10, 20, 30, 40 plus year relationship. And you want to make sure you like the people you're going to work with. Now, you're not going to agree all the time, but you know the franchisee-franchisor relationship is very codependent. Your success is their success and vice versa. So you really want to make sure that you find somebody who's a good fit for you because if you don't, it's going to be painful. If you don't like who's running the company, which it's is why, fault. yeah, it's your fault. <laughs> Jen. <laughs> Just That's kidding. Right. That's right. But it's so important when you guys do those leadership calls, you know, a lot of the candidates, they'll talk about you two and how fun you are and your energy. And and then I'll describe like, you know, who you're looking for culture wise. I'm like, you don't have to be just like as, as high as the sky, like Ryan, but you don't want to be as like laid back as Ken. <laughs> I go, what they really want is somewhere right in the middle. Like the middle, middle brother. We yeah. The middle like brother. brother. Yeah. See yeah. that little head we can put in. Yeah. We can yeah. put their head right in the middle. Yeah. But I would say that's the most important. I mean, you want to just be excited and you got to be excited about it. Mm-hmm. You can be excited about making money or the model, but hopefully it's both. Yeah. Cause I, the crazy thing is I think most people think restaurant, you know, maybe a Dunkin' Donuts or McDonald's and they, they can't really get as far as food when they're thinking about franchising, but it's also probably still crazy for somebody who wants to own a business to say, present, well, I got this gutter business. I feel like most people think that they have to be interested or at least good, or if they're doing a, uh, a fitness thing that they're all into fitness, mm-hmm. right? How do you guys get people or, or is that how people start out their journey? And then they find themselves somewhere completely different. I think that's pretty common that people feel that thought process that people feel like they need to be passionate about what the business does, the tech, you know, the actual business. And, and I think maybe in some industries, maybe that is the case. Um, but I think, I mean, even amongst our owners that are super passionate about uh, the brothers of the two gutters, they're not necessarily passionate about ring gutters. You know, they're passionate about building a business and developing leaders. They're passionate about creating opportunities for great employees and and building a, a large business that can set them up like Jeremiah to take three months off and go tour the world, tour the country with his family in a Brothers That Just Do Gutters RV, which is fantastic, <laughs> by the that, way. That is awesome. Yeah. Or like Jonathan Mellett, who, you know, he was doing this business as a side business to accommodate his ministry, ministry. right? And then he realized one day, he's like, Brothers Gutters is my ministry. I'm making a difference in the people's lives that I'm hiring, mm-hmm. the clients that we're bringing our products and services to. And, you know, so I think this vehicle can be whatever somebody wants it to be for them. You know, they're making a difference. They're uh, having fun and they're making money. Uh, so I think it encompasses all the things that, you know, that somebody would want to get out of this. Well, it's true. And most people go towards like food because they like to go out to eat. So they're like, oh, I like to go out to eat. I could own a restaurant. I could do this. What they start to realize and where we're seeing a lot of the trends go is it used to be that having these companies with 100 employees was really cool, right? Now people are looking for something a little bit more simplistic right out of the gate. They aren't looking for the thing where they have to go hire 20 people because they know how the market is right now. So you get in that little window of, okay, you're going to start with, you know, three to four people. They love that because it's not intimidating to 
grow from that number, but it's intimidating if you've got to go hire 20 people right out of the gate. That's spot on. Pretty much every time I talk to a current business owner that's looking for a new franchise, that's one of the number one things they're looking at is what's the minimal staff I need for this? Because I'm sick of having 150, 80 employees. And you think we're at like a sweet spot for like everyone wants a million dollar business for them to get to the million dollar mark. You guys like the amount of employees that takes? Absolutely. And the timeline and how you coach them to get there and that you have franchisees saying, well, you know, when they when they ask someone, hey, how, Nathan, and they say, Nathan, how did you get there? How did you get to a million? Well, I just did exactly what they said. And they told me to buy another truck. And I was like, uh, it felt a little uncomfortable, but I did it. And now look at me. And it validates too. So it's wow, incredible. that's awesome. Now, is there ever a time where you are sitting there with somebody and you're like, I don't think you should buy a franchise. You should start your own business. Some people almost seem too entrepreneurial or shiny lure that they're like, everything's a little opportunity. Is there a point where you're like, franchise, maybe not business? You ever see that? We do. And, you know, when we bring people to confirmation day, like we were saying before, we're looking for people that are are interested in this opportunity. You start to see people very early in calls that start to say, well, why do they do this? You should do it this way. And you start to see them go down this path. You know, part of being a franchisee is being able to follow a system. It doesn't mean you can't contribute to it, but you can't come in and expect to, you know, reinvent the wheel because the wheel is working. Yeah, I mean, certain people would be terrible franchisees. Certain very good business owners, yeah. entrepreneurs, would be terrible franchisees. I mean, can you imagine having Mark Zuckerberg as one of your franchisees? No. <laughs> exactly. Like, no. certain people are not cut out for franchising, even though they may be cut out for business ownership. Yeah. yeah. And we've definitely seen that from time to time where people are like, oh, have you ever thought of this? Or what about this or that? And I'm like, learn the system, you know, and then, you know, we can yeah. we can definitely grow on that. And some of the ideas are good or, or whatever. But it is it is interesting that you see some people that are like, I'm going to follow this to the T. And they literally do. And they have such great success. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good segue to something else we wanted to talk about, which is maybe some tips um, for um, new franchisees and the onboarding. And, and that's something with Every single franchisor I've ever been with, I always tell people, you know, th- there is there's room uh, to tweak and and improve. I mean, a lot of franchisors get some of their best ideas from the field, but that's not when you're six months in business. That's not when you're two months in business. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody you need to come in and do exactly what they tell you to do for at least a year, two years, probably better off. And then maybe once you really know all the ins and the outs of the business, then maybe you might have some ideas that they haven't tried and maybe you can try some things. And and I think franchising is, is a great place for that because um, you, you, you've got all these testing, you know, these little pilot test spots that can try different things and find out what works and you can spread it across the system. You just don't want new franchisees that aren't even profitable yet investing in trying new things that may or may not even work for them, may prolong their, their break-even point. You've got to come in, you've got to follow the system to a T for at least the first year, bare minimum, then, then maybe you can start trying some new things. Yeah. And it's also important that they understand and you understand as franchisors that this is the first time they've been thinking about gutters nonstop. So sometimes it's, oh, I have this great idea. And you were like, oh, yeah, you and the 65 people we talked to before you. Right. And a lot of it is just that excitement where they think, man, with my background in marketing, I can really add value here. With my background in operations, if you guys just did it this way, and exactly what Don said, the problem is they don't know how you do it yet. Once they realize it, then it starts to click. But we do that. We go through that with candidates, too. They'll be like, you know, 
any brand, they'll just say, you know, I don't know about this because I don't know if you've thought of this. And we just kind of chuckle because you hear most people think very similarly when they're looking at businesses. Yeah. yeah. They need to have the fruit on the tree first. And we're open to that too. And there's a lot of franchisees in our franchise organization that do contribute like uh, Jimmy and Jesse Olang. They run the field ops call and they do a better job than I could ever do with it. I mean, they're, and they, but they have the fruit on the tree. They have great field ops. Yeah. When franchise, potential franchisees validate with people like them, mm-hmm. they can see it. Uh, and that, no wonder why they're part of that every month and coaching everybody else. And uh, so certainly there is opportunity within our brand as people do have success. Uh, there is room for them to, to do more and, and be a more part of uh, the contribution part of things as yeah. well. So that's Absolutely. exciting. So I'm, I'm yeah. curious. I want to put you guys on the spot here. Can you guys think of uh, an initiative, something maybe operationally that came directly from the field? I think it would be a great story, like something that a franchisee ch- tried and tested. It worked out great, and now you guys are doing it across the field. Yeah. Actually, San Antonio um, did a, a, a pay model as a percentage. We've, we've traditionally done hourly. And we've always wanted to experiment with the paying people per foot, but then you've run into labor department issues. Are they 1099? Are they W-2? Percentage, it kind of motivates people. The more they do, the more they make. Um, he just happened to be able to recruit a guy that is comes from a similar model. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of laid it out. We kind of came up with the rules to make sure that we're aligning for the labor department. And they piloted that program. And it's been actually very successful for them and other franchisees now kind of have a choice to adopt it. Hey, listen, here's here's model A, here's model B, yeah. here are the pros, here are the cons. So that's the one that just comes off the top mm-hmm. of the head for that's sure. Great. And that was off script there. So oh, sorry yeah. to put you on the spot. That well, was that's awesome. What's so cool is like I, I don't I don't wanna uh, have the wrong impression that you have to be a robot, just do what you're told. Yeah. I look at it like here are the recipes to bake a cake. They're all, here's the flour, here are the eggs, here are the, the ingredients. However, every cake is slightly different. To add their flavor, to have their culture, to go and visit even Jimmy and Jesse, to see them run a crew leader meeting, all the main elements are there. They talk about their numbers, they talk about their goals, but man, their flavor is unique. Yeah. And it's still our system, it's still our process. I love that. And I love when they share, oh, well, we've been doing this at our crew leader I love that. And then someone implements it. It doesn't take away. It's not not doing it. It's taking it, enhancing it, and making it fit what you're trying to and do. And there's a lot of examples to that speak to that. Papa Gutter, who's our dad, <laughs> who runs Richmond, he came up with a crew leader checklist uh, because there was a lot of things that when guys get to a job, there's a lot of redundancies. So from the time that they check in, it's a laminated form and check in, you know, clock in with your app. You know, make sure you check over all your stuff. And it goes through a whole thing of putting out the yard sign, things that guys can forget. Mm -hmm. So it helps them to have that in their their truck. And they make sure that they're going over that until it becomes second nature. So things like that, there's been nice contributions that little tweaks here and there that we've been able to implement. And we're we're open. That's what I love about franchising, right? Franchising is like, man, all these brains we have here, and every everybody's gonna have something good to contribute. And not everything can be obviously done, but you know, some things uh, can be done right away, and other things might have to be tabled. Um, but you know, there's it's just a huge think tank of of ideas and brains, and that's what I love about that model as opposed to 
the other one, the corporate model. Uh, so I think that really is exciting when you see people passionate and contributing at that level. It's just, man, how can, you know, we have guys that are coming that are converting because of it, that been in the gutter industry for such a long time, banging their heads against the wall because they see it. They see the, the wealth of knowledge that can shortcut them to a much bigger and uh, b better business model for them and their families. So it's... Yeah. That part's exciting. Well, you nailed it too about why we bring a lot of emerging brands on because emerging brands tend to be more exciting in the sense that it's not such a big ship that it's impossible to move it if you have a good idea, right? Mm -hmm. In 30 years, you guys could be such a big ship that you know making a change system-wide is going to be a little bit more difficult, but it excites people to think, oh man, I can come in and grab this whole market and grow with these guys mm -hmm. and grow with the bros and be successful. I mean, it's a really big deal. That's awesome. So tonight we're going out to dinner. We're, we're going to wine and dine 11 or 13 people that are looking to come on board. And one of the things that Ken and I have always like our litmus test for whether it's onboarding or a new franchisee or whether it's a new employee, we look for three things, hungry, honable, and honorable. When I say that hungry, honable, and honorable, what does that make you guys think of? How do you do you kind of look through the same lens? Absolutely. And I've actually repeated that now because I've heard you say that after the last one. And I started to think about who, you know, Don does a really great job of bringing people to the table that, that fit, right? He wants this to be a good fit. We all do. So when you said that, when I think about it, I just think about, okay, you're looking for somebody who wants to grow. That's not going to be satisfied with their, you know, one truck that they're honable. You're going to be able to coach and teach and work together and that they're honorable. They're always going to do the right thing. And integrity is at the backbone of everything that we do. We, one of our uh, company mottos is no surprises. We like things to be just, and have each other's back. And so a lot of it aligned with what we do as well. Yeah. No, I talk about that every day. It's in my introduction call that that's, that's who we're looking for, that, you know, people that want to build something, you know, you know, this is not a, a passive business. Even if somebody's going to do it semi-absentee, you know, that's, it's still, it's not passive. It's not an investment that they can make and just, you know, let it run. They still have to be overseeing their GM. They've got to be hungry. They got to want to build something. And that's something that I really key into with everybody is we're looking for somebody who's not looking for a passive investment that's hungry, that wants to build something. And Don sometimes will say, as long as you're hungry and honorable, we don't care if you're honorable. Just get there and let, just get there and let Ken and Ryan decide. Because that's the one that can just slide right under the car. I'm just kidding. I love it. I love it. So, well, I just want to thank you guys so much for coming on our podcast today and sharing knowledge. And this has been so much fun. It's been a blast. Yeah, Thanks for having great. us. And we'll do it again. It's going to be a fun ride. So watching this brand Absolutely. grow across the entire country is going to be very exciting. We can't wait. How many are we going to have at the end of the year? I Ooh, don't know. What place do you your bets. Units? Oh, I don't know how to do that. But Oh, you don't? Units? <laughs> units? I'm going to say over 100. 70 oh, yeah. new, no, not new, 70 total franchisees. That's good. That's, that's a pretty good guess. That's pretty if I was going off units, I would say at least 150, at least. Wow. That's what she told me I have to do this year. So. Or, <laughs> Otherwise, you should have taken that promotion. Right? Or it'll be life out of the fast I, I think, <laughs> I think by Don's reaction to that, he was thinking more like 200. Yeah. You just don't let us oh, say. Hey, 150? Like we'll have that by August. Yeah. 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 He's, he's in the faster lane. Yeah, he's in the fastest lane. Well, thank you, everyone who joined us today. We hope you gained some sort of nugget of knowledge that you can apply to your own business.
And remember to grow with the bros. Grow with the bros. Love it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you implement at least one or two nuggets from this episode that will give you the confidence to grow. Subscribe to our podcast to stay updated and grow with the bros.